You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, and this is Fair Game number 316. Today's guest was lucky enough to sneak her fair in back in February of 2020, prior to the pandemic hitting that March. But when 2021 rolled around, the decision was made to delay the fair by several months. Here to talk about that today from the Florida State Fair, this is Cheryl Flood. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad I could finally get you on the show. I know we've been talking for several months about doing it, and it was, well, we don't know what's going to happen with the fair. And then it was, well, the fair is going to get delayed. And then it's, let's make sure we get to actually get the fair in. Um, so I'm glad you guys were able to get the fair in. Before we get too deep into that and how you navigated the, the pandemic, if you would share with our nine listeners how you came to be with the Florida State Fair. Sure, sure. So, you know, I grew up in agriculture, my background, uh, I grew up on a cattle ranch um, east of Lake Wales, and, you know, I've always had a passion for agriculture and uh, grew up showing cattle at this fair as well as other, other fairs across the, the state. And, you know, um, even in college, I would come volunteer for a lot of commodity groups like Florida Cattle Women. Um, and then, you know, I always knew when I graduated from the University of Florida, I wanted to work for the Commissioner of Agriculture. Um, and I've been fortunate to work for four different commissioners of agriculture. Um, one of them was Commissioner Putnam. I lived in Tallahassee, worked at the Capitol. And um, as part of my responsibility there as Director of External Affairs was oversight of the state fair. Um, you know, the, the fair falls, falls under the Department of Agriculture. And, um, you know, I had direct oversight of that uh, that fair and um, in March of 2016, the executive director that was here left suddenly and I was asked to um, step in for six months um, to uh, kind of run the operation in the interim while they search for someone. And to be honest with you, it just kind of fell into place. Uh, the commissioner asked would I take the role on uh, full time. And so in September, I, I did so and it's been, it's been a ride ever since and I've really enjoyed it. That's fantastic. What were some of the challenges the fair was facing when you came on board that you and your team have been able to work through? You know, um, I think that for one, um, I was a political appointment. So, you know, here is this girl coming from Tallahassee to come down to run the state fair. Um, a lot of people in the industry didn't know me besides the people in agriculture. Um, so, you know, I was walking into kind of a tough situation all the way around. Uh, I was put here with less than probably 24 hour notice. Um, again, I, I was walked into a situation where staff needed to rebuild trust, um, and I, I kind of helped with that process. Um, there were many challenges from an infrastructure standpoint on property. Uh, we worked through those challenges together, um, and, you know, every day, like any fair manager will tell you, every day at a fair, there's something new and different, um, and I love the challenge. I thrive on challenges, and um, this place certainly has plenty, um, and uh, it's just been a good fit. It's been a fun it's been a fun industry to work in. Like I said, my passion is agriculture. And what more can you offer when you're, you know, have a half a million visitors to the state fair? And it's a huge platform for sharing that message. And I just love the industry that we work in. Now, real quick, um, you moved your fair into April, but where do, when does your fair typically run and what's the attendance typically look like for the Florida State Fair? So uh, usually runs in February. Uh, we always end on President's Day. So, you know, this year was anomaly because we had the uh, Super Bowl in Tampa. 
So I had already postponed the fair one week due to just not having adequate security for both our event and the Super Bowl. So we had already planned for that. I mean, we already knew going in, we'd be one week later than normal. Um, and truthfully, we, we were, um, you know, I was adamant. We had been open. Uh, our non-fair business had been open. We had hosted some events on property since June and July. Uh, we had exercised our COVID plan and I was adamant that we would stay in February. Um, but as, they, as time got closer to our actual fair dates, there were several announcements nationally, some announcements locally that certainly had an impact and my board started expressing their concern. Uh, and truthfully, some of our board had some very serious um, situations with regards to COVID, including myself. Um, and, you know, I, uh, you know, we just decided a few more months would, would garner, you know, the public support and being more comfortable coming out um, and having more vaccinations in the arms. And that was something very, very important to our board that safety was number one priority or no matter what. Sure. Um, and we felt like a few months would garner that that time and, and confidence in the public. Sure. Looking back at 2020, um, as you had snuck your fair in, you got it done in February. And then just a few weeks after you closed, the the train derailed. And, you know, it was March, I think it was March 11th or 12th that World Health declared this a pandemic and, and Houston closed. But, you know, we look at Houston because they're a major, like they're the one of the, between them and Dallas, they're the biggest in the nation. But it, this is January, February, March, April in Florida is prime time Florida fair season. And mm -hmm. you got your fair in and then you watched all of your colleagues, one after the other, cancel, cancel, some of them like Miami, literally, or Sarah, you know, Sarasota minutes before they were ready to open, shut down. How are you feeling when you see so many of your colleagues get shut down like that? Um, it was a horrible feeling, to be honest with you. You know, when, when our fair was happening, you know, we're the first, the first day fair of the country, and we realize all eyes are on us. Um, you know, there wasn't much mention of COVID, truthfully none. We were so busy planning the fair and hosting the fair that we never even heard the word during our fair in the 2020. And we had just come off two great years of attendance increases. And then like the day our fair ended is when you started hearing about COVID and all the things that, were that we were facing ahead. And um, I felt terrible, honestly. I felt like, gosh, you know, we were, I was relieved in some respect because thankfully we got our fair in, but then you saw the domino effect of what was happening nationally and in here in Florida and Miami and Okeechobee and ton of, ton of fairs had to cancel. Um, so it was, you know, it was a relief, but then once you realize the seriousness and the devastation that it would create for months after you just, you know, it, it was, it was a not so great feeling. It seems like it was almost, um, what do they call it? Like survivor's guilt. Like you got yours it in was. and then everybody else went away and you're going, Oh God, I don't want to talk about my I, fair. Cause I actually had it. Exactly, exactly. It seems like that was a really, um, it seems ages ago, you know, it's, you know, we're now June, end of June of, of 2021, but it seems like this was four or five years ago and we're, but we're still dealing with it. You just dealt with the, you know, having to move your event, you know, you, you talked a little bit about between, you know, the, the Super Bowl going on and knowing that you were going to need to to move your event a little bit. And then as things rolled out with your situation, in, you know, around the, the Tampa area and the Florida area, you said, Hey, we're going to move it to April. 
was that a, a long process you went through having to go back and forth with your board? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? Or was this one of those, we had a 20 minute meeting, everybody was on board and, and we moved it. No, it was a long process. Truthfully, I had contracts in place for every weekend after that. Um, and truthfully, since we're the state fair, um, you know, we were very sensitive to the fact that there, there were fairs already scheduled. Um, and we didn't want to schedule on top of that and be in the state fair statutorily, we have to go through back through the permitting process. And that took quite a bit of time. Um, I had to move at least four to five events that were already contracted that now the new fair dates would fall on. Uh, we knew that the northerners would not be leaving April 1st, even if they came down. So we certainly recognized we were going to miss out on a huge senior population that wouldn't be attending the fair. Um, you know, we, we went from 12 days to 11 days. Uh, we knew that, that if it wasn't a holiday, there was no need to have the 12th day. Um, and we lost two holidays during our regular fair date. So there were so many challenges that we faced going in. And truthfully, financially, um, you know, I was very concerned about hosting the fair in February financially uh, and taking that risk. Um, the way we're set up statutorily, we cannot borrow, we're quasi-government, so we can't borrow money unless we bond. Uh, and that's not historically been uh, available to us. Um, so we weren't available for a lot of the federal funds or anything. So it was a scary time. We were not sure uh, when to take that risk of hosting the fair, but I knew how so important it was to host the fair because the rest of the country needed us to start. We needed to be able to move forward and we needed to be able to get this, all the fairs back to business. So we took our risk in April. Um, again, it was a risk. We had so many challenges, more than I could ever imagine. Um, but so how I'm did that go did it. when it, when, when it finally decided, Hey, we're going to go in April, we've got the green lights, uh, your, your gates finally open. How does the fair yeah. itself go? So, you know, on that first day, you do all these months and months of planning, you know, like I said, we had exercised our COVID plan a lot on our non-fair business, but, um, you know, when those gates finally open, you just, you're like, Ooh, we can do this. We can do this. So, um, you know, it was just a sigh of relief, but, um, you know, we had a good fair. We had a great fair. Um, you know, was it the highly attended fair we're used to? No. Um, but we went in knowing that we would need to streamline expenses um, to ensure that we were able to financially have a decent fair, and we did so. Um, I was so thankful for our team working together. Um, it certainly uh, required a lot of team building, a lot of, um, you know, uh, straight, you know, reducing some of our expenses to make sure we could make ends meet. Uh, not knowing what kind of attendance we were going to have and what kind of obstacles we were going to face. Um, but I was so thankful that we were able to kind of um, start that process for state fairs to, to start back up. You know, we went to Delaware. Uh, there were plenty of great ideas out there that they, the industry was so willing to share their plans. Um, yeah. And I want to thank you for this podcast because, you know, you have added so much value to communications within this industry um that has been so valuable during a time like COVID um and the pandemic so I just want to thank you for doing this podcast because I've learned a lot about folks that I've never talked to within the industry and it's been a real value to me but you know I think that um it's forced the industry to communicate better um I think it's certainly been uh you know we all we're all in this business together but sometimes we get complacent and I think COVID certainly has forced the whole entire industry from concessions to midways to, um, you know, issues on labor and everything that we face as an industry. It's forced us all to have to communicate and work together to be able to pull, pull off a fair like we did. And I'm, I'm just thankful for all the partners that we've had, like in wage shows, 
um, that helped us do that and was leaders to kind of step out there and take that risk. For sure. Yeah, um, the old adage of, well, we've always done it that way uh, got thrown out the window in the last 18 months in our industry. And I hate that it. this is how it had to happen, um, but I, I see great growth for our industry in the future. Hopefully now, you know, we've kind of, we broke the log jam of we, we've always done it that way. And, and I know from the folks that we've spoken with on the show, there's a number of, of, in fact, I'd say the majority of fairs I've spoken with on the show have gone from, you know, well, we always, we, we always bring traffic in off of, you know, gate two for the main parking lot. But then, you know, during the pandemic, when we had the food fair drive through, we realized we actually get better traffic flow through gate four. And so all these little things, how we set things up, you know, Hey, maybe uh, setting food vendors in this area instead of that, all those little things that we always consider, but you know, at the Florida state fair, there are sacred cows. There are sacred cows at every event across the Well, we can't do that. That's always been there. Well, Correct. COVID says we don't care what's always been there. COVID didn't care. And I hope that we have fairs uh, are, are open to this change and, and embrace it. Cause I think there's some really good ideas that have come out of this industry in the last year. I agree. You know, I, um, one thing that happened to us, you know, um, we ended up having to lay a ton of our team off, like 70% of our staff to survive through this uh, pandemic. Really tough. And I knew going into, if we were to host a fair in February, we would be facing major, major labor challenges. Um, and truthfully, I was, I was fearful a little bit to host so early, but, um, you know, I just that few extra months things started opening up. Um, you know, we're still pretty small. I mean, we really have not scaled back up. The core group that I have has really maintained us this entire year, and we're starting to scale back up in staff. Um, but I can tell you, we learned um, as a team to do more with less. Um, and like you said, the fair we once had was nothing like the fair we hosted this year, in my opinion. You know, we had a lot of the same programming, but our buildings look different. Um, our programs look different. Our schedules look different. Um, I agree, we kind of get in this habit of just kind of pushing the play button and doing the same schedule we've always done. Uh, we did things different this year, and I think it certainly will lend itself to, um, you know, that change moving forward that I think not only benefits the public, but it also helps us um, and constantly being our toes to improve things. Sure. Um, you know, it's easy to pull that playbook out and push go every year, but, you know, we, we don't want to get in that habit. And I think as an industry, if we want to remain relevant, and we want our fairs to be remain relevant, we have to constantly change and change with the culture and taste of the public and everything that and that you know involves. Yeah, I would agree. Now, Florida seems to have been far quicker to open than just about any other state. We've all been watching on the news and you know, depending on which depending on which news channel you prefer to get your information from, um, Florida either has the smartest governor in the nation or has got the super spreader going to kill everybody, including grandma uh, governor. Um, but in any regard, here we are, June 30th of, uh, of 2021. Your state's been quick to open. When you guys had your fair back there at the you know, end of April, beginning of May, did you have, were there, what was your COVID mitigation? Were you requiring masks? Were you just suggesting them? Kind of what did that look like for you guys? We did. So we have our COVID plan, um, you know, a lot of it we took from Delaware, you know, they did such a great job. Um, and, you know, a lot of the theme parks uh, locally, we, we met with them, they certainly shared their ideas, but uh, we did, we required a mask. Again, it wasn't, some people loved it and some people really didn't appreciate it. 
Um, it was at a, at a time when CDC announced that you didn't have to wear a mask outdoors and you could socially distance. But we stayed the course during our fair because we wanted to make sure communication was key. Uh, we, we wanted to make sure safety remained a top priority. It was certainly an important priority for the Commissioner of Agriculture in Florida, Commissioner Freed, who I report to. Um, and it was certainly, a, a safety was really, really important to our board. Um, and again, we were, the Super Bowl had just happened uh, in the area. They'd made some major, major changes to their big event to ensure everyone's safety. And we wanted to follow suit. And we had a lot of Super Bowl events on property right after um, the big Super Bowl game. And um, again, we saw those processes they had in place. And we duplicated a lot of the things that they did. And, um, you know, we, we spaced out our buildings. We required masks. We had tons of hand sanitizer stations and hand washing stations, encourage people all over our property to wash their hands uh, frequently. Um, and, you know, and just use the common sense that practices that we had all gotten used to for over the past year. Um, again, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, um, but again, you know, our governor constantly was changing and opening. So, and it was by the day. So we constantly yeah. had to make sure that we were communicating to our patrons. Yep. Um, it, it, it you definitely don't want to be in the position, and I know you and I spoke about this um, um, prior to the show. You don't want to be in the position where you have the Super Bowl comes through, things start to reopening, and then all of a sudden you guys have your fair and you go, oh, my God, we were responsible for 80,000 cases of, oh, you know, and then everything. It is a super spread and it looks bad. So, you know, with the I, – I feel like with the CDC – change one day they say this the next day they say that and things change so quickly i don't blame you for saying you know what we're going to stick with the masks yeah. nobody likes them we want to get we all want to get rid of them but for the next 11 days while we're here we don't want to be the right. ones that all of a sudden have ha, do have a super spread event which brings me to the the 20 million dollar question it's the thing that I, for all the fair managers i've spoken to that had events it has kept them awake at night in the weeks following their fairs. And in that two weeks or so post fair, did you see a major super spreader spike in cases like all the talking heads on the TV said would happen? No, we did not. And thankfully we did not. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. The, the two weeks after we ended was the Florida Federation Affairs Convention. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, would that not be a terrible place to, to get the news? Um, right. But thankfully, we we really made sure that everyone did what they were supposed to do. Um, yeah, there were people that didn't wear the mask like you wanted, but you certainly reemphasized constantly the importance of safety on property. Um, and we wanted to make sure that that remained a top priority through the entire process. So that way we had legitimately could say we did all we could to ensure everyone's, uh, everyone's safety. And I think we did a good job. Um, and we, thankfully we had no um, issues whatsoever the entire fair, and I'm very thankful for that. That's fantastic. You know, I, I think it goes back to something I've said, and a lot of the guests have, uh, and I've talked about on the show. Our industry was probably better set up than almost any other industry to be able to handle this pandemic because we've handled H1N1, we've handled E. coli outbreaks. We look other than the mass thing, which is, you know, you get, and I get, I, I get Floridians, you know, I lived there for a little bit and, and I spent a lot of time in Florida and there's, they're a very proud bunch and a little bit like Texas there that's, you know, screw it. I'm not wearing a mask. What are you talking about? I understand that. But beyond the mask thing and some signage, all we did in this industry was scale what we've always done. 
more hand sanitizer, more hand washing, more signage to say, hey, make sure you, you know, keep your hands washed. If you're not feeling well, don't be here. Yeah, you know, it's funny when we started our COVID planning, um, you know, we've always had a pretty strong eco-live program here at the State Fair due to issues we had many years ago. And truthfully, a lot of the same practices that we documented for E.C.O.I. were things that we did to document for COVID. Um, again, we're a very resilient industry, and I think the, the ability to share ideas and information and the fairs, the Manatee County Fair that went before me and, and all the information, the Strawberry Festival and all the things that everyone watched as we moved along this process and how it changed, we all adapted. And I think that's, you know, there's a lot of good that comes out of bad sometimes. And I think that um, a lot of good has come out this through this pandemic. And it's sometimes hard to see it because it was a tough year. Um, truthfully, I think I've got more gray hair than I've ever had in my life. Me too. Um, and, you know, no sleep, you know, yeah. <laughs> no sleep. All my gray hair and, fell uh, out. <laughs> yeah, it was tough, you know, laying off employees that have been at the fair for many years. Um, you know, it was a terrible time. And I think, you know, we're all looking forward to 2022. I think the trends within the industry is showing that people are excited to get out. They're wanting to get out. Um, you know, even though Florida has a reputation having been open, uh, there are still a lot of people who are very conservative and want to stay in and make sure that they have a comfort level of going out. And we saw that in our fair attendance, truthfully. We were down, um, you know, quite a bit. But thankfully, the people that came, uh, you know, our per caps were records. We had three record uh, midway days during the week. Wow. Um, we certainly financially turned out just fine. Um, and I'm very thankful for, you know, the partnerships we had to help us host this fair. It feels like the entire industry, and I know everyone I've spoken to on the show since January, the entire industry spent the first five months of this year watching Florida fairs very closely. What does it say when one fair after another in Florida was able to knock this out safely? You know, I think we've got a good group of, uh, we've got a great federation. I mean, truthfully, you know, NISE, I mean, the network that we have. I mean, I, I was on calls weekly with my colleagues and my former, my fair managers locally, and we were all sharing ideas weekly as we saw the new announcements. How does that affect us? What do we need to do to change our COVID plan? You know, constant communication. Um, and I think it shows more than anything, we're a resilient industry. Um, you know, I knew onset that, you know, despite being down for a year, I mean, entertainers know it best. I mean, truthfully, you all, I mean, we have uh, Live Nation on property, and when they shut down for over a year um, on our property, I mean, that was a million plus uh, revenue that I lost overnight, um, and they have our partners here on property, and, you know, that was such a huge decision for a company of that size and that magnitude to shut down Disney World, the theme parks, you know, all of those things, Um you know, had such impact and were so schools closing, everything that was around us was so changing so quickly. Um, the, the Florida fairs, I think, just realized that this is bigger than us. This is yeah. so bigger than us. Um, and we must communicate. We've got to um, get on the call. Jim Ward, who was our Federation Affairs president at the time, you know, he went to every fair as they opened to encourage people, just thank you for opening to thank them. And I think that goes a long way. Yep. Um, of, of encouraging people that you can do this. And, and um, you know, although I delayed a, a two months or so, um, it took a lot of courage to do that. You know what I mean? Of because all eyes 
Florida, just like you said, and I knew it would disappoint a lot of people to even just to delay. Um, and thankfully, you know, I'll be honest with you, I had I had the remorse of the fact that I didn't miss a fair. We've got we've got fairs across the country that are missing two years of fairs, yep. um, and that's devastating. So, you know. Um, I think we've all worked through this together and it's not just been a Florida issue. It's been an international issue. And I think we've all helped each other. Um, and I think we'll be stronger for it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with all eyes on Florida, I think it's important and, and it's been, you brought it up and, and I know Danny Alfonso brought it up when I had him on for Manatee County. Yes. All eyes were on Florida this year, but uh, so much of what happened in Florida started last year in Delaware. And I think Absolutely. Danny Aguilar and his team up there in Delaware need to be commended for what they did for, I mean, they were barely 90 days past when this I pandemic know. had been declared and he would, they decided we, it's going to adjust. It's not going to look like it usually does, but they opened, I believe they were first in the nation. Once the pandemic had been declared, that was an incredibly brave thing they did. And, and I think the leadership from that fair trickled down and, and then down to Florida and then everybody watched Florida and, I'm predicting a summer of um, may not look exactly like the fairs we're used to, but it's going to be the mm -hmm. summer that, as Jeremy Parsons said from Clay County, this is the lifeboat that gets us to 2022. And I it think is. that's going to be a good thing for all of us. Yeah, I think about <laughs> I think about Delaware State Fair, and you know that was in July, a year ago, and I can remember, you know, I'm thinking, you know, that was that was seems so far, so long ago. And I can remember the feeling I felt when we opened our gates. I can't imagine the pressure that Danny and this, his team experienced planning for that fair. I mean, really, COVID had just hit. They were, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of plans out there. They really were innovators and in trying to come up with a plan that everybody could use. And we have. I mean, I can tell you, everything that I saw there, I duplicated at the state fair if I could. And I thought, you're exactly right. They need to be commended and the entire team for, because it takes the entire team to pull something that off. It's not about the leader. It's about everyone working together to really pull off such a great fair like they did. Well, and it, you know, none of our events can happen without great teams and incredible volunteers. Can you take a minute and talk? I know your team was downsized incredibly, which it, which is a tough hit for everybody to take, but can you talk about your staff and volunteers that helped make that fair down there in Tampa happen? Absolutely. So uh, we just had a board meeting this week and, you know, that was, that was something that was such a priority for me to, to help our board understand because they, our team literally carried us through and, you know, we consider our volunteers part of our team as well. They, um, we, we have a lot of senior um, volunteers um, and a lot of them came out, you know, a lot of them weren't back down to Florida for the, for April, but, you know, we were down a little bit in volunteer levels, but um, they really carried us through. And, you know, I, I, I think I was probably about half the size of staff that we normally would be during a normal fair. Um, and that was a scary thing because I knew if we got bombarded with people, uh, we would have a tough time servicing at the level we had always serviced uh, the public. Um, and customer service is something that's very important to our team. So I knew that we would be challenged from a labor standpoint. And we were, I mean, without a doubt, we were challenged trying to hire people, but I can tell you this team that we have here, they were all champions. They, they pulled us through and I will forever be grateful for the, not just their sacrifice, but their family sacrifices for having them be here 24 seven, because it was really, we feel like we really planned two fairs because the February fair was planned. 
Uh, and then we had to go back through and completely redo all the contracts um, to postpone. So it's it's been a long run. Um, but again, I could not have done it without the great team that we have here, and I'm forever be thankful for their for their efforts. And I know every fair man that way about their staff, but I think I've got one of the best in the country. <laughs> so. Well, you know. we've got staffs all across this country that are, uh, like we said earlier in the show, they're doing more with less. Um, you know, San Diego's going on in right now. And man, you want to talk about a fair that of all the big fairs that I think a lot of us looked at and went, are they even going to make it back? I mean, this is Del Mar. It's the biggest county fair in the, in the nation. And a lot of us sat here going, I don't know if they're going to make it yet right now as we speak. They're having a fair. It doesn't look anything like San Diego used to look. It's much smaller. I talked to uh, one of the one of the exhibitors who's out there, and she said it, it's much smaller than than we're used to. But by God, they're making it happen, and I think that's a testament to the grit of this industry, of the people that work in this industry. Yeah, and I can tell you, you know, even though we didn't have the normal attendance we normally have during our regular fair. Um, the concessionaires and folks were just so thankful to be out working and see, seeing each other again. Um, and the gratefulness was just incredible of thank you for opening. Thank you for, you know, having the state fair. And, um, you know, they may not have made the profit that they wanted, but they were just thankful to want to have that stand back open and, and, you know, clean things out and really get back on the road and having hope of, you know, developing routes. So, so we were thrilled to be a small part of that. So as we now, as you've gotten past this, um, the 2021 fair, and you weren't a super spreader event like, you know, so many people in the media said all these events would be, you're now starting to look forward towards 2022. Are you moving back to February for 22? We are. We definitely are. Um, you know, we're looking forward to getting back to it's cooler. Um, you know, April's a lot warmer in Florida. Uh, you know, we realize the importance of our senior community that comes out and supports us every single year. Um, we love to cater to them. They're certainly a big part of our attendance. Um, and truthfully, you know, towards the end of the school year, kids get busy. Um, we realize that April's not exactly good timing for, you know, all the kids to come out from the community. Uh, February seems to work a lot better. Uh, so we're looking forward to going back to our traditional dates that we, this year we'll have 117 years right here in Tampa. So um, you know, we're excited to go back to February and you'll go back to 12 days instead of 11. Cause you'll have the holiday weekend. So it makes sense to do that. Yeah. We always do 12 days ending on president's day. So we're, we're, we're excited about already planning. Um, truthfully, we came straight out of there and, um, still planning for 2022. So. Isn't that how it usually good... ends? Like you, you wrap it up and you go, all right, you have that one board meeting where you kind of go over what you did. And then maybe you kind of take a day to think about it. And the next day it's like, all right, 22 is coming. Let's go. That's right. That's right. You know, we have a busy, um, you know, we're busy around here on the ground. So we have our fair, but we also have a pretty large non-fair business. And um, we really haven't been able to stop because of the short staff that we have. So we've worked 24 seven for about a year now, but um, you know, it was well worth it. And um, we're thankful to see the industry start coming back and it's, it's exciting. It's, um, I think, I think the IFE, uh, the convention will be incredible because I think people will be so glad to see each other, tell their stories, you know, and, yep. and collaborate and it'll be a big celebration. Well, and I hope folks have been listening on the podcast and listening to some of those stories get told. That was 
our entire goal with with doing this podcast was was starting to spread you know awareness of of the stories from all around the industry um I, it's been a privilege to be able to do this show and be able to meet with so many people. Some folks I know and have, like you, have a relationship with because, you know, being a part of the, the Florida Federation and then a whole bunch of fair managers and folks that I had never met before. And now I've got the opportunity to, to visit with and, and share their story. And I've really enjoyed doing it. We are just about out of time. But before we go, everyone who comes on my show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I got six quick okay. questions for you. You give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. This is an easy one. We start easy. Favorite fair food? Uh, Amish donut. Name a fair you haven't attended, but you would love to go see. The Big E. That's awesome, because I literally just spoke to Gene Cassidy yesterday. So he will be, when your episode airs, he will be the Monday before you that his airs. So fantastic event he's got up there. Next question. First celebrity crush. Oh, goodness. George Strait. You can have a conversation with anyone from history. Who do you talk to? Ooh. You know, I think I'd talk to my grandparents. Good enough. Best yeah. best way to spend a day in Florida. Oh, uh, best best way to spend the day. Yeah, what's a what's an ideal day in Florida? Obviously, if it's February, spending a day at the Florida State Fair. But other than that, what's your preferred way of uh, of spending a day in Florida? Uh, you know, Florida's known for beach uh, beaches and uh, uh, Disney and, and theme parks. But I would have to say. Uh, riding through the center of the state seeing Florida agriculture would be pretty exciting because Florida's known for touristy type things, but there's a lot of agriculture in Florida and I would encourage you to get out and see it. It is having, I only lived there for a year and a half, but there's agriculture is all around you. You don't see it, but it is there big time. Uh, last question. A song is written about your life. Who do you want to sing it? Oh my goodness. That's a tough one. That's a good one right uh, there. Wow. Uh, you know, Eric Church. Eric Church. We'll take it. So you're telling me it's going to be kind of a country song then? Yes. Eric Church or Miranda Lambert. I oh, can have two answers, go. right? Well, if you're telling a story about life, it kind of has to be a country song, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that like a prerequisite? That's right. <laughs> oh. That's fantastic. Cheryl, where can folks learn more about the Florida State Fair? FloridaStateFair.com. And all of our social media accounts. So we're always awesome. out there telling our story. So be sure and check it out. Awesome. Cheryl Flood, Executive Director for the Florida State Fair. It's been a pleasure visiting with you today. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Robert. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Air Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.